Good morning. You guys doing well? Three of you are doing well. Awesome. That's a good start. Maybe we can get more of you to be doing well when we're finished up here this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. We go back to Nehemiah now to finish up this book. Remember when we started this book? Years and years ago. Actually, it's just been a few months ago. We did a, about an eight-week series in between time from Easter on. Remember the uh, doubt and answers, answers and doubt series, and now we come back to Nehemiah. And uh, it's really an exciting section of the book, not to say that the first part wasn't exciting. It was a little more difficult as we worked through it, but uh, this is talking about how God wants to ignite our lives. That's the uh, teaching series, Ignite. This is part one, Heat. Nehemiah chapter 8 is what we'll be looking at this morning. Let me bring you up to speed. I'm going to spend a little bit of time, extra time on the intro here this morning. There's some things we need to uh, be reminded of, and then I'm going to kind of set this up, and then we'll work through our notes. Um, Let me bring you up to speed. If you're not familiar with the book of Nehemiah, and if you're still probably trying to find your way to Nehemiah, if you have your Bibles, don't hesitate to take a look at that table of contents to find your way there, but... um, The background of the book of Nehemiah is that Israel has been defeated over a century earlier, and they have been scattered in the ancient world, and now the Israelites are allowed to come back home, come back to the promised land to rebuild. Nehemiah is a uh, cupbearer. He's a cupbearer for the king of Persia, and he leads the people to rebuild the wall. That's what we saw in the first uh, seven chapters What they couldn't do in two separate attempts in the past 90 years, he leads them to do in how many days? Do you guys remember? 52 days. Good. Some of you did remember that. So they rebuild the walls in 52 days. And and this is just an amazing picture. It is a picture of the rebuilding of our brokenness and the return to the land of milk and honey for us. Land of milk and honey is uh, the land of strength and satisfaction. And it's, uh, it's an Old Testament picture of a New Testament principle, the fullness of life principle, John 10.10. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. So we've got these pictures in the Old Testament that, de- that depict this. So the rebuilding of the walls is how God rebuilds our lives, and then re- the return to the land of promise is about how we become stronger and more satisfied in him. Beautiful picture of that. And so chapters 1 through 7 that we've already looked at is rebuilding of the wall. Chapters 8 through 13 is what we're going to be looking at over the next four weeks is revival of the people. God is in the business of rebuilding brokenness and reviving deadness. That's, that's, the, that's the thesis statement for the whole book of Nehemiah. So God is in the business of rebuilding our brokenness. And, and this is what's amazing. And we talked about this. You're going to have to go online. We, we have an app now. You can get, download the app. And, and these messages are online and on your app. And you can follow through these, uh, this series 1 through 7. But, uh, you know, I always come up here and I, I need to bring a Kleenex box because anytime I lean my head over, my nose drips for some reason. It's that time of the year of sinuses. And so... I was looking at my wife, and, uh, and, and you had the box of Kleenex, didn't you? Thank you. 
Because my wife always carries Kleenex and a billion other things in that purse. You just never know what's, what's going to be in there. So I apologize for my nose running and I'm still kind of recovering from that crazy cold. I don't know if anybody had that cold, but it's, it's been like three years now. That's, that's what it feels like. Anybody ever have colds like that where it's just like, oh, crazy? Okay, back to what I was talking about. Um, so we've got the rebuilding of our lives. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing what God can do with our brokenness when we begin to give him all the pieces. And it's amazing the strength and the satisfaction he brings to our lives. That's, that's that idea of the brokenness. That's the first seven chapters. Now we get to this place of reviving us. And typically rebuilding always precedes a reviving of our lives. And so we're going to look at this idea of, of reviving. What... How does he revive us? What does that mean? What does it mean to be revived? And uh, let me just say another thing as it relates to brokenness real quick is that, uh, and you guys know this, you guys hear this all the time, but I need to remind you, we need to be reminded of this every week. There is no sin that you have committed or sin that has been committed against you that is a match for God's redeeming and restoring grace. You hear that? And so that's what's amazing about, uh, about God, about uh, the, the message of the book of Nehemiah in the first part. And now that as he's rebuilding our lives, then he begins to fill us up with his presence. That's what revival means. So I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about that before we look at our text. What is revival? Now, I was raised in a, in a more of a Pentecostal background, and revival was, um, was identified as uh, sometimes weirdness. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't mean any disrespect for my background. I absolutely love my background. But sometimes people did some interesting things in those settings. And, and it was often associated with uh, extraordinary operations of the Holy Spirit. Now, through my years of study, this is what I believe. I believe that the Spirit, uh, that revival is actually... I don't know if I put this on your notes, but revival, it is an intensification of the normal work of the Holy Spirit where Christ becomes more real to us. Because when you study uh, John 16, 14, basically the work of the Holy Spirit is to do what? Is to make Christ more real to us. Is to glorify Jesus. And so it only makes sense to me that if you're, if you're having an experience with the Holy Spirit... Jesus, his beauty and his glory, your heart is going to be smitten by him. You're just going to go, wow, he's, he's bigger than any problem I'm up against. He's more attractive than any temptation that would ever lead me astray. So that would be uh, revival. But it also could be related to that of uh, the spirit-filled life. How many are familiar with the, the term spirit-filled life? You guys know? And so... So they're closely related. It says in uh, Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So I think that those are closely related. They're closely related. So let me repeat what I said. So I believe, because we're going to talk about it throughout this series, Ignite, because it's, a, it's really about revival that, that God brings to the people here in the second part of the book of Nehemiah. So let me repeat the definition that I had. It is an intensification of the normal work of the Holy Spirit and the normal work can be simplified and there's a number of things we'll talk more about it in the coming weeks but it could be basically simplified is that Jesus is more real 
By the way, let me ask you this. Why did you come to church today? Because you had to? Because you had nothing better to do? Or was it because you really wanted to encounter Jesus himself? Now, that's why I came. I wanted to have an encounter. <laughs> Praise God. And, and I wanted to have an encounter with Jesus himself through his word and the work of the Holy Spirit, where he becomes so real to me. He's here today through his Holy Spirit. But sometimes we're not, we're not in touch with that. We don't have that alive in our heart. And so that's what revival would be and a spirit-filled life would be. That, that you could face anything in your life because you know he is for you and not against you. He is with you. He loves you. Nothing can separate you from his love. And so... So 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So being drunk is a lot like being filled with the Spirit or the revival in that it's, it's like and unlike being drunk. That is, the Spirit-filled life. It's like in that it gives you a greater degree of happiness. You're happy when you're drunk. People are happy. And, uh, and they're very courageous. They do some really dumb things. And... Um, and so, and that's interesting. So the spirit-filled life is like that because it does make you very happy and it makes you very courageous, though you don't do dumb things, okay? Um, but so you're happy. And I think, that, I think that Christians should be the happiest people on this planet Earth. But, but, but because we're not living in the reality of what we have through Jesus Christ, we need desperately for the Holy Spirit to illuminate those truths, the truths of God's Word, to our heart so that we're living in the reality of that. We should be the happiest and the saddest people at the same time, actually. Sad about the deterioration of society and yet happy about the hope that we have in Jesus. Does that make sense? So there's that balance in our lives and, uh, and so it's like being drunk in that it makes you happy and courageous, but it's unlike being drunk because being drunk, the reason why you're happy and courageous is because it reduces your sense of reality to where uh, the Holy Spirit increases your sense of reality, the reality of Jesus, the reality of what he's done for you, the reality of how beautiful and glorious he is. And you begin to want him and to experience him more than anything. You guys tracking with me on that? So that's the Spirit-filled life. That's what's coming down, you know, with these people here in the book of Nehemiah. That's what we desperately pray for week in and week out. That's what I want for you when you come in here on weekend services is to have an encounter, an experience of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he becomes more real to you than anything else. He's your most satisfying reality above anything else. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's another illustration that I've used before in the past. Maybe you've seen this before, where you see a father and son kind of walking through a park, hand in hand. And there's no doubt about it that they're father and son, objectively, uh, legally, they're father and son. The, the son knows that that's his daddy, and the daddy knows that's his son. But then, for some unknown reason, the father kind of turns around, sweeps the little boy up into his arms, smothers him with kisses, swings him around, and then sets him back down. And then they continue to keep walking. And, and objectively, legally, father and son. But experientially, at that moment when he swept up into his father's arms and smothered with kisses, that little boy even knows that much more that he's a, he's a child of, of this man. And that's a little bit of what it tells us and I think is what the spirit-filled life is. I think it's what a revival is in Romans eight sixteen that his spirit 
bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's those moments in our lives when he sweeps us up into his arms and smothers us with kisses and loves us. And I'll tell you what, there is nothing absolutely like that. When you have that sense on your heart, game over. Now, I wish I lived there. I don't. I pray for it all the time. And there are sometimes, I'll go days where I'm, I'm in the middle of one of those experiences, and then I'll go for weeks and maybe even months. But I'll live off of that past opportunity, and I'll, re, I'll just know he is my daddy. I know that objectively. I'm a little bit out of the experience of that, but that's why I come to church. That's why I read my Bible. That's what I pray for, for all of us, that we would live in the experience of it. And that's what revival is, is just living in the reality of that, the experience of that. So my question for you is, when was the last time he swept you up into his arms? and loved on you, and you knew deep in your heart there was something about that experience that his perfect love began to chase away the fears in your life. I mean, you realize, why am I so afraid? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so angry? Why? I don't need to be. My daddy loves me. He's going to take care of me. My wife and I, uh, we took last weekend off, took a drive up Yarnell, you guys know where Yarnell is, up the backside of Prescott, hung out in Prescott. So her and I were listening to a CD uh, of some music that somebody had put together and gave to us here from the church. And there's a couple songs on there that just, all of them I like, but there's a couple that just like send me through the ceiling. And, and uh, one of them is uh, My Soul Longs for You. You guys familiar with that one? And then there's the other one that, uh, uh, Relentless, where he's relentless for us until he, we give our selves completely to him we were cranking that thing man cruising up those switchbacks just going for it and there in that in that car there was almost one of those kind of an experiences that my wife and i are having i don't know if she's having it but i'm having it and i'm fighting back tears and not wanting to look like a big sissy over there crying as i'm driving up there you know because it's just so overwhelming a sense of of the presence of god Jesus, you did die for me. You do love me. You're going to take care of me. I'm going to be okay. I don't need to stress out. i just like, ah, oh, just resting in his, his arms of love. So, okay, I spent a lot of time on that. And so revival, revival is when sleepy saints, uh, sleepy Christians wake up, nominal Christians get converted. Because there's a lot of Christians, people in the church that think they're Christians, but they're really not. And when you begin to have these experiences, you begin to realize and you really understand the gospel. The gospel goes from your head to your heart. It's just like, wow, I, I thought I was a Christian. I don't even know where I've been up until this point. But now, now that I've had this experience, there's nothing like it. And it's, it's a hard experience based on the objective truth of God's word. And then so sleepy, uh, sleepy Christians wake up, nominal Christians get converted, and hard-to-reach non-Christians get reached because the church is beautified. See, when the church is spirit-filled, when the church is having one of these revivals, that the church is both humble and also confident at the same time. They're humble because they recognize their sinfulness, their sin. I'm more sinful than I ever dared to think. But at the same time, I'm more loved than I ever dared to dream. I was so sinful, Jesus had to die for me, so that becomes more real. But he loved me so much, he wanted to die for me, so that gives you that confidence. So you're more confident about your faith. You're sharing your faith with others. But you're not doing it with, in an arrogant, proud way. You're doing it with a great deal of humility because of your own sinfulness. You're just tickled to death that he's rescued you and you're wanting them to be rescued too. See, that's spirit-filled life. And uh, so, okay, now let's get back to the study. Well, that was part of the study. 
That was just setting up this where we're going this morning. And so there's three components of fire. Turn to the person next to you if you've taken fire science before, which most of you probably haven't. But I have, and I know the answer to this, but maybe you know this anyway. But what are the three components of fire? Hint, hint, the answer's on your notes. Turn to the person next to you. Turn to the person next to you and see if they know real quick. Discuss that. Three components of fire. By the way, you guys know that uh, part of fire extinguishers, it's a, it's, it's, uh, fire extinguishers work by removing one of those three things to keep the fire from burning. So you guys, there's heat, fuel, oxygen. That's basically the outline, not for today, but through this series. We'll add one more to that, and that's fan the flame. And so this week we're talking about heat. Next week we'll talk about fuel, which will be our heart. The heat is uh, uh, the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God. Uh, fuel is our heart, what God does in our heart, how that brings the change to our life. You don't want to miss next week because we're going to be talking about how does that transformation take place? How does God work through His Word How does the Spirit of God work through the Word of God in the hearts and lives of the people of God, igniting their hearts for the the, uh, person of God, for for the Lord Jesus Christ? And so you've got heat, fuel, and then oxygen. What what do you think oxygen is? It's community. We'll talk about the importance of community, and then we'll we'll finish up this series by talking about how to fan those flames. Now, today, this is what we're focused on. And I think, I might, I don't know if I've had it on your notes. I don't put everything on your notes. But through the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, God's word is our heat source. So what is our heat source? If I want my life to be ignited, if I want to have this experience that I've been talking about, through the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, God's word is our heat source. I gave you some verses there. You can look those up on your own. So it talks about God's word reviving us. First Corinthians 2, 12 through 16 says that we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us this discernment, this ability to understand the things of God. And then it tells us in 1 Thessalonians five nineteen, do not quench the, the Spirit, the work of the Spirit in our lives. So we could put it like this, and this is what, how I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into our text. It's the Spirit of God working through the Word of God that will ignite the hearts of the people of God with a passion for the Son of God. That's, that's our kind of our thesis statement. And there's three things that you need to do as it relates to God's Word. You need to love it, learn it, live it. That's basic outline for this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. And then uh, we will dive into our text. God, we are delighted to be here today. And we have come to encounter you, Lord Jesus, through the work of of your Holy Spirit as we study your word. God, may you, through your Holy Spirit, work through your word, ignite our hearts with a passion for the Son of God. May this series wake up sleepy Christians, convert nominal Christians, and so beautify us as your people that hard-to-reach people would be attracted to to you through us. God, continue your work in our lives. Sweep us up into your arms of love. Let us know and experience your love this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So here we go. So how to keep close to the heat. And so you've got to love it, learn it, live it. We're talking God's word here. You've got to love it, learn it, and then live it. You're not going to be able to live it if you don't learn it, and if you're not learning it, it's probably because you don't love it. 
Now, now this, isn't meant to, this isn't a guilt trip because I'll bet most of us don't spend nearly enough time in this book. In fact, if I, could re, you know, if I understood you correctly based on our times, is that you probably are more excited about your favorite TV program being DVR'd or, or whatever than you are in getting into this book. And I'm not saying that as a guilt trip. I'm just saying that's probably where you are. I understand that. There have been times in my life where I was more excited about a TV show or a movie or, you know, doing yard work. Well, not that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> something, you know, more so than Christ and his word. There have certainly been times in my life. And all I'm saying is that I want to stir up within you a love for God's word so that when you love it, you will want to learn it. And as you learn it, you will be able to live it. And in living it, you will build a storm-proof life. But it works in that sequence because you see it goes like this. The things we value, love it, the things we value, we prioritize, we, we learn it. And the things we prioritize, we practice, we will live it. You guys tracking with me? So really, if you're struggling with this, it doesn't do me or you any good for me to whip you and guilt trip you, but to show you the beauty of this book, to help you to see more clearly, wow, these are the very words of God. Do you understand? He wants to speak to us and communicate with us. So I want want to cultivate a, a love Help to create that within you. So you go back to, well, I must not really value it. God, help me to value your word. Help me to see more clearly. Open my eyes, Holy Spirit, to see the value of your word so that I can begin to get into it and learn it, and then I'll be able to live it. Okay, so let me uh, do this. Here's what I'm going to do. Now, how many, have, uh, how many have downloaded on their phones? Uh, how, many have a, how many have a smartphone? Show of hands, smartphone. How many really don't even know what I'm talking about when I say smartphone? I just got a phone. Uh, there are some people out there that you need to get with the program. You have a dumb phone, okay? I, I have relatives that still have dumb phones. And uh, actually, you can have whatever phone you want. How many here do not even have a phone? Show of hands, show of hands. Okay. He's a, he's a neat guy too. He doesn't need a phone. He's got a direct line to God, okay? Okay. Uh, and you might not even need a phone. But if you have a smartphone, how many have downloaded version on your phone? This is what I do every morning. I go like this. I've got version. It's an app. And now we're going to read the first six verses of Nehemiah. And this is what, what goes down. And this is typically my wife. My wife has to just put up with it. But it's really, quite frankly, it's the only time that she ever reads the word is when I'm reading it in front of her so that she can... I'm kidding. That was a joke. She's, she's much more diligent than I. Please forgive me. I'm just, you guys knew that was a joke. Here we go. No, she loves it. Can I see it? That wasn't nice. Now let's take...
and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseah on his right hand, and Padeah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashem, Ashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshullam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Okay, time, time, stop. Hey. There we go. And then I'll, I'll read the rest. But that's just, it's as simple as that. And typically what I do is I'll read, read a couple chapters in the Old Testament, a couple in the New, and then I'll go through five Psalms and one proverb, proverb for that day, and that's what I do. And I'll do that while I'm making my breakfast. Because I've had people say, why, well, the Bible's so hard to, it's so hard to read, let someone read it for you. And I'll go through that. It's very simple. Sometimes this isn't working right, so I've got most of those all downloaded on my computer, so I have a laptop and I carry it into, the, into my kitchen and... Start playing it there. And, uh, and so, that's, that's easy, isn't it? Could you guys track with that? Could you follow that? Okay, pretty simple. Yeah, okay. Pretty simple. Okay, so, so that was the first six verses. And so let's go through this. Uh, so, how do, how do I know that if I love God's Word? I'm going to assemble regularly. That's the first one. Notice verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. So I'm going to assemble regularly. We're going to get together like this. But, we're, but you're going to see something else take place. It's not just in a larger group setting. You're going to also kind of huddling up and getting into smaller groups as there's leaders that come around and kind of explain it and apply it to their lives. And then I'm going to listen attentively. And he read from it from early morning until midday. Did you guys hear that? You thought I was long-winded? Verse 3, and he read from it early morning until midday. I love that. That's like a four or five-hour sermon. That's good stuff. And notice this. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. There was no fall asleep. They were, they were sitting on the edge of their seat. They wanted to hear from God. My, uh, my wife... Uh, her uncle, Uncle Bobby, came and comes and visits with us, and, and Aunt Pam. They're from uh, Texas, Louisiana, and uh, he goes out to uh, the white tanks and gets dirt, and then brings it back to the house, and then pans for gold. You guys are going, that's weird. <laughs> Guess what? He found some gold. And uh, he gave me some of it, and I'm going to be retiring from being a pastor. <laughs> I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that, even if I had all the money in the world. But, uh, but he actually showed me some specks of gold. It was really fascinating. And, and so he sits out on the back porch and just kind of pans through, and he's got all these different methods and stuff that he's learned. He just kind of checks this out. He's looking intently, and he's, he's had some of these little specks of gold, pretty unbelievable, really beautiful, really fascinating. 
And, and, and that's what the Bible uses all these different metaphors. And it says that when you study God's word, it's like panning for gold. It's like you're looking. And that's what they were doing here. They were looking, listening attentively. So we assemble regularly. We listen attentively. And, and by the way, I've given, you, I've given you a lot of cross references there. You can study that on your own. If you don't know what to study, take the sermon notes, take the growing notes, and begin to look up every verse that I put on these notes. There's, there's tons of stuff for you to do that will enhance and illuminate this study and help you to apply it to your life. Then we have groups that actually go through these notes. And even we go through it through uh, our staff meeting, and we don't even have enough time to even look at all the verses. And so yeah, there's certainly plenty of stuff here to, to digest and to take into your life. So, so how do I know that I love God's word? I'm going to assemble regularly. I'm going to listen attentively. And then I'm going to be, this is natural that as you're encountering God, you're going to be in all wholeheartedly. And that's what we see in verse six. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen. You guys know what amen means? So be it. Yes, that's right on. That would be kind of our modern language. Um, And then lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped. So they lifted up their heads, and then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Um, And so there's that sense of awe. Be in awe wholeheartedly as they studied God's word. Job 23, 12, Job says, I've treasured the words of your mouth more than my daily food. Like I said, the Bible gives us a lot of different imagery and metaphors to help us to stir up appetite for God and his word. First uh, Peter 2, 2 through 3, and I, I love this one. We have a lot of newborn babies around here, a lot of kids here. And this one is, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Talking about God's word. And uh, Psalm 19, 10 and 11 talk about... Uh, it's, his word is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey. When the Bible uses the word honey, I always think of my favorite dessert, my favorite ice cream, better than your favorite ice cream. And so it's trying to, he's working to stir up that appetite within us. Um, before I move on, um, my, uh, my wife and I, back when we met, we'd known each other for about a year, and... Uh, I can honestly say that when I first met her, man, I was head over heels in love with that girl. I mean, there was just everything about her. It was like, wow. I thought I was going to wait, get married until I'm about 50, but I want to get married now. And um, I mean, that's just how I was feeling. And so we knew each other for about a year. She moved back to Houston with her family. And uh, so the only uh, connection that we had during that time was this is before cell phones this is before internet this is right after pony express and uh kind of feels like it because i mean we didn't have any of that stuff in fact to call long distance it cost you an arm and a leg how many remember those days it's like it cost you a fortune and then when you write a letter uh it takes like two weeks and i remember waiting for her letters i would run out to the you know, out to the box, and did I get a letter? Oh, no letter. Ah! No letter. And, uh, and then when I would have a letter, my, my mom would be there, hey, you got a letter. Ah! 
I would get that letter and I would open it up and I would smell it because it smelled like Nancy. Emerald. That's what she was wearing in those days. It's like, I would smell it. I would read it, reread it, meditate on it, reflect on it, memorize it. Yeah. You have bewitched me, body and soul. I love you. I love you. I love you. And that, uh, that, those are not actually words from her, though they were similar. Those are actually, those are words from that movie, Pride and Prejudice. When uh, they have that, remember Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth, they have this kind of uh, unrehearsed rendezvous early in the morning. She can't sleep. She has a sleepless night. And she comes out into this field and so... Lo and behold, he's out walking too. And they come together and he goes, you have bewitched me, body and soul. And the sun is coming up in the background. It's like, oh. And uh, no guy has ever watched that movie except for me. And, uh, <laughs> and the women have watched that a billion times. But, uh, oh my goodness, unbelievably romantic. I like Romance. And and here's why I like it. And here's the point that I'm trying to make is that I'm probably more in love with her now than ever before because it's a more mature love. And, um, but, but romance, and here's what I put down in my notes. Human romance is a glorious experience, but even the best, even the best is a gift and a pointer to the ultimate experience of knowing God's infinite love. Okay, so, so when you watch movies, that's, just, that's a gift and a pointer to God. Oh, you think that's something? It's even better with God. It's even better with God. See, so that's the point. And so when you begin to understand that, I mean, you read his word. This is, a, this is a love letter. I mean, I can't get enough of his word. I meditate on it. I reflect on it. I memorize it. See, and that's the perspective that, that you need to have. And, uh, and so if you love it, then you're going to learn it. Let's read on. I won't have our guy read for us, okay, because that's a little. But uh, verse 7, also, oh, I better have him read for us here. <laughs> look, look at all those words. So here's, here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do. You just kind of skim over them. You just go, and Jeshua... Jeshu, Jeshua, Bani, B S J E U A O E A O O A. The Levites, I can read that. Help the people to understand the law. So don't get hung up on all those words. Sometimes it's so easy. It's like I can't even read this. Why well, can't either? And I've been studying this stuff. He could. He could read him. So that's why I listen to him. And so what, listen to what they did. And they helped the people to understand the law. So he's, he's proclaiming it. He's reading it. It's almost as if this whole group of guys went down there within the groups and they huddled up and they began to explain what was being read. Small groups. There you go. Small groups are important. Small groups are a place where you can uh, dive into the text even more and kind of work it out into your lives. So you need the larger group setting like this, but you also need to get into small groups where you can work out the specifics within your life. And uh, and while the people remained in their places, 
So these guys kind of intermingle with them. And then verse 8, they read from the book from the law of God clearly, so continuing to give explanation. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. So apparently the people were mourning and weeping. We're going to talk about what that means. He says, man, this is holy. Don't mourn or weep. Um, This day is holy. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy. So he keeps saying that. I, I don't know if you've ever, you had those experiences where maybe on a weekend service or in a small group, there's just, you just have a sense that, wow, God's here. I don't want to leave this place. This is holy. This is set apart. This is unlike, that's what the word means. This is unlike I've ever experienced before. Or maybe it's been a long time since I've had this experience. And that's what he keeps saying. This place is holy. This is set apart. This is, this is different from whatever you've ever encountered or experienced. And uh, where did I finish off there? Then he said to them, go your way, eat and drink. Says, oh, then he says, and then, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where we get that, that little phrase. Oftentimes you hear people say, hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, be quiet, for this day is holy. So they keep saying that. Anytime you see the Bible and it keeps being very redundant, it's saying that for a reason. This is a special day. This is important. This is an encounter with God. Do not be grieved, and all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Okay, here's so. So you love it, and now they're going to learn it. And so here, let me give you some fill in the blanks. Embrace wisdom. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. So you gotta, you've got to understand God's word. And ultimately, uh, the scriptures are meant to redirect our wandering hearts to their true destination and most satisfying delight, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it to show us. And so, so this grieving that was going on is they're, they're recognizing, hey, I've got a lot of idols in my life. I tend to chase after and, and more affectionate about all of these things. My job and my family and my cars and all of these things more so than God. That's what they were grieving. They were going, wow, why why would I do that? When he's so wonderful and beautiful, why would I choose these things over him? And so there's that experience of conviction. We'll get into this more next week. These two next things. uh, So there's this experience of conviction. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And, and then takes us to the next one is express great joy. So as you're learning it, this is what begins to take place in your heart. You begin to embrace the wisdom of it. You begin to encounter Christ. It brings conviction. And then you begin to express great joy. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our uh, to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And uh, 
And so you celebrate grace most joyfully when you've mourned your sin most deeply. when, When you mourn your sin most deeply is when you celebrate grace more ecstatically. I mean, you just... When you understand your sinfulness, your dire condition apart from Jesus, in light of the magnitude of his provision, that brings unspeakable and glorious joy. That's why he's saying, hey, rejoice. Yeah, they were convicted, but don't stop there. That conviction should lead you to the magnitude of his provision. Like I said earlier, no sin that you've ever committed or sin that has been committed against you is a match for God's redeeming and restoring grace. So we see our sinfulness and there's a mourning, but that drives us to the foot of the cross to receive from him all that we need. And, and, uh, and so there's this, that's begins, that's what takes place in our lives each and every day. And we'll talk more about it next week. This, uh, repentance, what is repentance and how do I work through the issues of my life? And why do I tend to always do these things or say those things? Or why am I trapped in my addictions? And my OCD or whatever, we'll talk about how that, how we get rid of those things next week a little bit more. And so, apart from the Holy Spirit, a person cannot appreciate the Word of God, and so we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word of God to our lives. And so we always pray, Holy Spirit, help us to see this more clearly. So apart from the Holy Spirit, a person cannot appreciate the Word of God any more than a blind person can appreciate a sunset. Um, I've had people say, oh, I've read the Bible, it's just like any other book. No, it isn't. You obviously either don't have the Holy Spirit or you're not relying upon the Holy Spirit to understand what the book is saying. I'm telling you, when you read and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you, burns this truth, makes it alive to you in your heart. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. You guys have had that experience before where you're reading, read, 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 and all of a sudden a verse pops out to you right off the page. Oh, that's for me. God knows exactly where I live. Yeah, he does. (laughs) And then some, okay? He loves you. And so that's what's happening. And when I study to learn, this is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for life lessons in my Bible, in my daily Bible reading. I'm craving a glimpse of God that satisfies my soul. I'm not looking for life lessons. Don't turn this into, oh, I got my life lesson for the day. No, you're craving for a glimpse of the only one that can satisfy your soul. God, give me a glimpse of you. I want to see you more clearly. That's, that's what we need more than anything, is to see him, to experience him. That's Christ, he himself becomes more real to us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Not just another life lesson you can add to your list and, not, and, and fail in trying to live out. I mean, like, we all struggle with that. I mean, but we need Jesus. We need more of him. Now, there's life lessons. There certainly is. But the only way that you can do that is, is through his power and his grace. But the focus should be upon him and then the last part of it, uh, we, we're out of time this morning, and what I'm going to do is uh, change my style a little bit. Rather than to run through this, I'm going to let you study this on your own. I'm going to kind of wrap it up right there. You can read the rest of this on your own. This is, on Sunday mornings, is only meant to be a, a catalyst to kind of get you started, kind of feed the flame. So when you come out of here, you're ready to go. You go to your small group. You're refueling, but you're spending time with God each week. So I'm going to invite you to spend time with God this next week. Maybe you've never done that before. Do that this week. Take the rest of this text, 12 through 18, read it, download you version, have him read it to you, the whole chapter. It only takes like three minutes to that whole chapter to be read and then work through this. And I'll give you the fill in the blanks here. Give you fill in the blanks. Here we go. So this is what you, this is how you live it. And this is what you're going to see in their lives. 
How do I do it? How will I? I will serve generously. And you're going to see, the, see these people begin to serve generously. When you're filled up with God, it's only natural and normal to begin to look out for the interest of others. You get involved in a local church family. The next one is you're going to spread it aggressively. What God is speaking to you, this book, the gospel, you're going to begin to spread it around with people within your circle of touch and influence. And then you're going to submit to it completely. And in fact, it's interesting because they, they read in there, oh, we're supposed to be doing uh, Feast of Booths. You guys know what Feast of Booths is? They build these tents and they're kind of uh, living in temporary dwelling like tents reenacting wilderness wanderings and God's provision. That's what they're doing. It's a little bit like camping. It's a little bit like camping. How many like camping? How many like to pretend that you're homeless? Okay. Uh, I had someone from our church family, when I said that a few months ago, they gave me this little placard that says, I love not camping. And that's me. But that's what they were doing. And when you read through that, and, they, and they're talking about this booth, they begin to build these booths, they're building tents. And they're reenacting their wilderness wanderings and being reminded of the fact that one day they were homeless and they were wandering through the wilderness and God took care of them. That's, that's the, whole, the whole idea. And, uh, and by submitting to it completely, you can have an unshakable, unbreakable life and a fruitful and fulfilling life. And I gave you the verses down there at the bottom that you can read. Now, this is how I'm going to end. I'm going to end by reading. Uh, my wife reminded me of this this last week, of this song. It was a beautiful song. And we were talking about it, and she looked it up online. And I've shared this before. But I believe that when, when uh, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, experiencing a revival, you have an amazing blessed assurance. Know where I'm going? Blessed assurance, Jesus mine. If you're raised in a church, how many have ever uh, remember singing that song, maybe growing up? Check the words out. These are awesome words. This is my prayer for us. This, this is how we're going to end this morning. This is our prayer, blessed assurance. There's, there's assurance, and then there's blessed assurance. Here's blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. It's a slice of heaven on earth. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. I didn't earn it. I didn't achieve it. He gave it to me. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. That's what you do when you're spirit-filled. It's just like, woohoo! God is for me, not against me. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission. All is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. Filled with his goodness, lost in his love. That's good stuff. Stand with me. So join with me through this series that God would bring a revival to our hearts and lives, that he would ignite a fire, that we would experience Jesus unlike we've ever experienced him before. And may that be true about us here at Desert Breeze as we meet week in and week out here at Sandra Day O'Connor waiting for our building to be built. And as, and as we wait for God and his timing, that God would revive us 
oh my goodness, that we would be full of his, his grace and mercy, lost in his love, loving his word, learning his word, living his word, building a life that is unshakable and unbreakable, fruitful and fulfilling for his glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you.